0: Hi everyone, my name's Anusha cutigan um, and I'm joined today by Tiffany Saunders from Oxford Fashion Studio and Harriet Eccleston, a fabulous fashion designer for this latest podcast um, in partnership with Klarna and Visual Soft. Um, over the last few months, if you've been joining the series, then you'll be aware that we're looking at some research that Visual Soft and Klarna produce called the Get Set Grow Report, where we're helping businesses um, find out more about the e-commerce environment and digital trends in fashion, especially as we emerge from COVID-19 and the pandemic situation. In today's session, I'm really, really excited to be joined by Tiffany and Harriet. We're gonna be talking about personalization and um, a really exciting initiative that I've actually um, contributed to as well um, in partnership with Tiffany and Harriet, um, which is all about Faduma's Fellowship and a collection that was produced for wheelchair users um, using adaptive design and launched at London Fashion Week just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but before we do that, um, Tiffany and Harriet, it'd be great if you could introduce yourselves. Tiffany, why don't you go first and tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Absolutely. So hi everyone. I'm Tiffany. I'm the campaigns and runway director at Oxford Fashion Studio based in London. And what I do is I help brands build meaningful relationships with media, stockists, uh, stakeholders and, and patrons. And predominantly that comes in the form of launching their collections during Fashion Week here in London and also in New York, Milan and Paris.
0: Thanks so much, Tiffany. And Harriet, please give us a little bit of spiel about yourself as well.
2: Hi, Anusha. Yes, of course. Um, I'm a women's wear designer, and I specialize in uh, timeless and sustainable garments that are carefully crafted here in England. So um, I I use um, locally crafted cotton, British cotton, and um, yeah, to to really uh, bring that sort of element of of heritage and craftsmanship into, into the fashion that we wear.
0: Thanks so much, Harriet. Um, this is a really exciting topic. Personalization is something that we hear um, spoken about a lot in the fashion industry. It's something that's um, becoming more and more important to designers and also in marketing as well. Uh, in the research um, that Clara and Visualsoft have conducted, um, It shows that only 10% of fashion businesses haven't yet implemented any form of personalization strategy. So clearly, you know, we're into the 90% of businesses that do that. Um, And almost half, so that's 44% of those businesses are now recommending products based on the customer profiles that they have. And, And data has been helping to inform businesses a lot more about the needs of consumers, but I thought that um, we could take this um, information a little bit further today because obviously personalization isn't just about the experience or marketing and how we communicate with consumers. It's it's also about product and it's also about making things that are really relevant for people. And I think one of the things that the industry has really suffered from is um, in its effort to appeal to the mainstream, there are so many... Uh, consumer groups and people groups that are excluded from participating in fashion Um, and so for me personally it was really exciting to be invited to be a part of Fadumas Fellowship and I'm conscious that not everyone listening will know what Fadumas Fellowship is so Tiffany I'm going to come to you first would you mind telling our listeners just a little bit about what Fadumas Fellowship is and and what went into that? Absolutely. So
1: Paduma's Fellowship is a a wonderful, wonderful project that was founded by an equally wonderful person called Paduma Farah, who 10 years ago, after a case of meningitis at the age of 34, became paralyzed from the neck down. And over the course of the last 10 years, Paduma, who loves fashion, loves dressing up, very much believes that a lot about how you want to express yourself comes from what you wear. She became very frustrated with the lack of fashion that was available to her as a relatively new uh, wheelchair user. So for Faduma, it wasn't uncommon for her to need to buy clothes and then and then cut them. For example, to cut out some of the fabric at the back of the garment, or uh, to buy men's shoes, for example, or men's socks. Those sorts of those sorts of things, and she really wanted to inspire positive change in the industry and did that by uh, looking for a designer. So she launched a design competition called Virginia's Fellowship uh, with a a £10,000 award available and the idea was to to find a designer that not necessarily had existing uh, experience in adaptive wear design, but who who she would work with to to create a collection that was suitable for for wheelchair users and also non-wheelchair users to show that you don't have to compromise on style in order to have a piece of clothing that is still aesthetically stylish and, and beautiful so the idea was to sort of try to marry those the practicality side but also something that you felt good in as as you would hope was already the case but but unfortunately that that really wasn't and so a search began for for the designer and there was a, a panel of, of, of industry experts who um were helping Faduma in that search and we had some fantastic, fantastic applications. It was a very difficult decision to to choose who who would be selected, um, but was are very, very happy with the with the the designer that, that we chose, Harriet. And the collection was launched a couple of weeks ago um, for
0: an Oxford Fashion Studio show during London
1: Fashion Week, which was which was really exciting.
0: Super exciting because I was at that show and I absolutely loved it, Tiffany. Um, and I'm going to come back. Um, in a little bit to um, ask you more about how we produce that show um, but but Harry I'd love to come to you first um, and just find out a little bit more about the process that you went through and coming up with the concept because the collection was was incredible it was something that appealed to both um, wheelchair users and mainstream uh, fashion consumers and and really enabled them to kind of style it depending on um, how they're able to wear fashion. I'd love to find out just a little bit more about both the creative process and, and the research that had to go into creating that collection.
2: Thank you so much, Anita. That's that's lovely to to hear that such such um, such kind feedback. Thank you. I think the it oh, it's it's been the most incredible few months. It's it's really been a whirlwind. I think from from the day of like of finding out about Fiduma's Fellowship and and what Fiduma's Fellowship was and. Um I, you know, I, I'm I'm very lucky that I've I've I I'm so so grateful to be in the industry that I am to, to um to do something every day that I love, which is design and, and create clothes. And I've you know been through school and college, university and worked in the industry and um and I I was shocked when I found out about Faduma's Fellowship of how little I actually knew about adaptive fashion. Um, and this this realisation that I've I've been in all these lectures in design meetings in fittings. And you know, there's there's roughly 20% of the UK population that aren't being thought about when, when it comes to designing and creating clothes. So so that was a real shock for, for me. So I've I've had I've had to learn an, an awful lot over the last last few months in in order to create the collection. Um, I think the, the process of of the concept for for the designs came from a, a lot of different areas obviously it was it was vitally important that it was aesthetically pleasing you know for Duma's love of fashion and colour and you know to to create something that that was um that women would would really feel like themselves in and um and enjoy wearing the clothes but at the same time it was just as vitally important to make sure that the garments were practical for, for for being in a wheelchair and for um a whole different variety of um of problems that are in garments that are currently often not being not being looked at or, or design sites that are perhaps being overlooked such as you know how how garments have to adapt when you are seated um so yeah it was it was a, a big learning curve but i was very lucky to have um the help of friends from university rebecca and melissa everett who were able to provide me with a lot of um their incredible research that they they carried out a couple of years ago working with um uh, the stroke association carrying out um uh focus groups and, and talking to a lot of people that that do use wheelchairs and um perhaps have uh, manual dexterity um loss of manual dexterity and find practical clothes often uh difficult difficult to find and definitely difficult to dress so yeah it was it was a lot of different elements that came together and came together very quickly actually but the designs developed very naturally and um yeah i'm I'm delighted to hear that the 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 reception from the clothes has been has been lovely it's been it's been an incredible reception and i think that's all we could ask for
0: uh, thanks so much harry it sounds like so much work and research went into that um i mean some of the research that uh, visual stuff and Kana have produced shows that 37 percent um of businesses are using data-driven content to target and influence browsers. So this is the consumers as they're shopping. But it sounds like from, from your process, Harriet, actually there's there's a lot that needs to be done to influence the industry. So not just the choice of the consumers, but the choice of the industry to actually make these products um, available and accessible to people. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit more about the research that you had to do? and? Um, I mean what do you think the industry response should be to that do you think that the industry I mean I I think we know that it's not doing enough but what should what steps should um, brands designers and and decision makers in the industry be taking um, when it comes to being more inclusive um, not just for um, wheelchair users but I guess all types of marginalized communities. What 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 have you learned from that process and the research that you've had to do?
2: Yeah, I think um I think a lot of it comes down to sort of taking taking a pause and and really thinking. I think as you say, it's it's I went through all so much time in in education in the industry and not having these conversations. Um and then and it's 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 shocking that those conversations aren't happening. And hopefully by um, through Faduma's fellowship and the catwalk show, that we can that we are illustrating that that this can be done. You know, I, I was a designer that didn't know anything about it and was able to to learn um, and and adapt the garments in such a way. So yeah, hopefully hopefully with these conversations and and the images and um, and the show that we've produced, it it starts to spark. Um, Spark, yeah, spark more conversations and especially if we can target people the you know graduates coming out of university or during university with with education um of adaptive clothing and ensuring that clothes are designed for for everybody you know we're all so different and and it's vital that everybody has the has the ability to wear and, and buy the clothes that that they need um but yeah it's i think it's by it's really important to just stop and take into consideration what many different people will need for their clothes and often it's very small changes that can make a massive difference
0: thanks harriet and and you mentioned the show I mean, the show is fabulous it's the first time that we've seen runway models and which just featured on a catwalk at london fashion week which i assume presents no small logistical challenges tiffany uh what did you have to consider when you were putting together a show like this
1: i mean it was it was a, a real and complete honor i think it's the first thing to say to to be able to, to be trusted with this show as you say it was the first show of its kind and we wanted to really make sure that we did it justice and um, so from our perspective, it was one of the key things was making sure that, as Harriet said, I suppose, sort of stopping and, and, making, and thinking through and making sure that each stage had been really thought through and that things had been put in place at the beginning to make sure it runs nice and smoothly. It was, it was absolutely, of course, the case that a priority when it came to planning was we wanted to make sure that everybody was, was comfortable, both our wheelchair-using models and our non-wheelchair-using models making sure they have what they needed, space to relax, access to refreshments, hair and makeup tables being in the right places, that sort of thing. Additionally, I'd say one of the, the key considerations was really thinking through the use of spaces. So there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to a show. I think any show producer would, would, would be able to agree with that. Um, and often things are happening simultaneously and a space will be used for different things throughout the period of the day. So working through how all of those spaces were going to work at the different stages um, so is what we spent a lot of time really mapping out and trying to recognize, okay, this is where there's going to be a pinch point. For example, hair and makeup all, ha- all happened in a separate area. But naturally, once all of the models are dressed and in the lineup, that team moves into the lineup space for final touches, which then reduces the space available to, to move around. So was just trying to really make sure that we could do everything that we could to to think through all of the different use of spaces. Uh, Separately, there was the choreography as well. So we drew out various different scenarios for making sure that each model had plenty of clearance space. For example, when they reached the head of the runway, so that not only could the show, could the garments be shown sort of in the best way, so we added an additional stop point, but also that when it came to turning to then come back down the runway, that had just really been thought through so that it was a really nice, smooth choreography. Um, and then additionally, the final thing I'd say really is, is the fitting. So that worked quite a bit differently when it came to, to planning. They were far more in advance for uh, for Faduma, Lauren, Heidi, Kate, Najma and Ella, who are our wheelchair using models. And I mean, Harry did a fantastic job here with, uh, with really making sure and, and listening to each of the models to find out from them you know first-hand think okay, what you know well, where their what their needs were and I think that li- links back to what she was saying earlier with regards to just taking a minute to, to listen and, and to ask questions as well and linking that back effectively to, to personalization I mean there's there's aesthetic preference but whereas what we're looking at here is is really a requirement that the clothes don't injure the person which sounds so ludicrous that it would even be something we have to talk about but unfortunately some of the design some very normal design things, i.e., a scene, can actually be quite problematic for somebody who uses a wheelchair. And I think looking at the fittings, that was really something to to consider to make sure that um, to make sure that the clothes were were not going to injure the people wearing them. And also, some of the models needed additional help and equipment to to get into the clothes. So that's where we shipped some of the collection to the models' homes. Whereas generally, we do all of the fittings. Uh, and the show prep on site so there's a few extra little logistical things that we put in place there um but all hopefully in a in a in a way that meant it was nice and comfortable for everyone nice and straightforward and and enjoyable i hope <laughs> shows are meant to be a lot of fun so I'm, I'm hoping that all of the models that they said they had have, had a great time um
0: and, and it was certainly amazing
1: to, to have them there
0: and tiffany you've you've just described so many different elements in that journey in that process and it really made me think about the kind of considerations that um, businesses need to think about when when people are shopping for things as well you know as much consideration as you had to put into that show if that were a consumer who had to order a product or, or go into a shop to try something on and they were um, a wheelchair user so many of those would be relevant for the the journey that they have to take to even try on that product. And and I thought that was really interesting because you were really just talking about communicating on a very individual level with those users. I mean, in the research that um we've been reviewing, we, we know that 35% of businesses are using artificial intelligence, for example, to help identify those preferences and those trends that consumers are demanding um, and and retailers are also using technology to try and obtain that kind of single view of of the customer but actually what you're talking about is really having that open communication and speaking to them on a very individual level and i think that's a real challenge for businesses because we are in an age that relies more and more on technology to create those insights and i think um for the kinds of groups that we're, we're talking about you know whether it's a a minority group because of your ability or your body type, or whether you're a minority group for um, because of your religion or or ethnicity. I actually think that there are probably quite a few consumer groups that get missed out from that process when it's all automated through technology. Um, I know, for example, from my my experience, when I've been trying to conduct research with um, ethnic minorities, especially at a, at a certain age, you get language barriers there. You might get consumers who you can't reach because they're not adept with technology. And actually the technology that a lot of people are using in the mainstream isn't really accessible to a lot of groups. I, I mean, I would say the same for people who have disabilities, whether that's a physical disability or... um if they're neurodiverse, that there are new technologies that are coming into the industry, like visual search or voice search, that I think most retailers or, or fashion businesses that are adopting those, they see the benefits in terms of marketing or, or as a bit of a shinier way to present things. But the reality is you're also making the way that you shop for things more accessible to people who might not be able to type at a keyboard for example or for people who um, don't have the language acquisition to to describe in text what they need to search for but they do know what it is visually they're looking for and actually those types of tools um, help with that journey of finding the things that you need Um, and and I think that's probably a problem with the industry as well that you know Harriet mentioned that there are there are some very small simple changes that designers can make to be more inclusive and i think it's the same at the retail end there are very small simple changes that businesses can make in order to make their products and the their brand experiences more accessible to different groups Um, but those considerations just they're not taking place at at a mass level it's something that it really takes you know an organization like for fellowship to say actually We're going to make this a priority and use this experience as a use case to educate the rest of the industry about how they should be tackling this challenge. Because, you know, when I went into this um, initiative as an advisor, I was so shocked by the statistic that was being um, shared um, and the kind of marketing materials around the, the difference between the maternity market And um, wheelchair users, I I think, you might have to correct me on this, um, Tiffany, but I think it was over 800,000, just around 800,000 maternity wear users per year, but quite an ephemeral group. And then you had, I think it was 1.2 million wheelchair users in the UK who are in that state permanently, and yet they're not being considered nearly as much as, um people who are expecting a child and i just found that that kind of dif- the difference in attention that the industry gives to maternity wear which is quite a temporary you know maternity is quite a temporary state versus you know people who live with conditions that prohibit them from participating in fashion in a really um personal way um every day of their lives like it it really struck me how much how much we need to do to actually change that situation um tiffany were there any other surprises that you encountered as you were as you were kind of preparing for this initiative oh surprises um (laughs) i think it was uh yes
1: what i mean this isn't this wasn't a great surprise but i think i have always been and and OFS has always been very open to to hearing about how we can do things better there's no team there's no person there's no company in the world that is not able to, to, be, to be better at what they're doing right so there's i think being very open about that is always really important and when when this came to light for us more when we when we first started talking to Fatima last year instantly sort of understood how much in you know, how much there is to do and was encouraged by that. I'm really pleased to have sort of had it brought to my attention. When I then started telling others about it, other not not everybody, obviously, but you know, there was some, uh, I suppose, people in in the industry that I shared the initiative with, and would say, "But you know, we're looking to change that. We want to inspire positive change here. This is an amazing initiative. Let's do it." The response wasn't as encouraging as I perhaps may have may have expected. Um, I, I think part of that might be because there's a sort of uh, like a hesitation to, to start looking into something because then if you start trying to fix an area that you for example haven't as a, a team maybe haven't been doing you'll then potentially one one team I spoke to for example were then worried of that it would be pointed out how much they're not doing and it, i think it's trying to sort of break down that barrier a little bit to say look, it's better to start doing something to start having conversations to start making changes it's okay you're not expecting i don't think anybody would expect you to be perfect at it but but to be helping or to be seen to want to include for example wheelchair users in in media representation for example i mean how many how many people do you see who use a wheelchair who are also in a shop man you know make up a window display it's part of of a, of a mannequin display not very many if not any you know none um, so that was a sort of bit of a negative surprise I suppose but at the same time this is a journey it is a process and we're hoping that you know that our goal isn't to, to to have it as a negative um, initiative in any means it's to, it is to to inspire the industry to try to do more to try to talk to more people to find out what they can do um, another surprise I think would be oh um, I don't know. I mean not so much a surprise. I think I was every time I talk to Faduma, she, you get more of an insight into her life. And I think I, I'm myself I'm not a wheelchair user, and there are so many things that I just don't think about that as I go about my daily life that Faduma does need to think about whether it be catching a cab, whether it be going food shopping, uh, ordering something online, she says is the lack of description on certain things makes it really difficult to order. So you might over-order, um, and then if it's not right, you have to return it. Well, that's not very simple or straightforward to necessarily do. So I think the other surprise would be just an insight into, and I won't use the word struggles because I think uh, Futuma is a great example, and as are all of our models, of extraordinary people who who are brilliant and just and just carry on and have such a positive outlook in terms of in terms of their life and and what they do but i think just having my eyes opened a bit more to to that so now you know i'm 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 walking down the street and if the pathway is particularly narrow or it's uneven that i i'm i'm now more thinking gosh that must be really problematic for somebody who uses a wheelchair so i think that's that was certainly a surprise as well
0: I've had exactly the same experience, Tiffany. of, you know, literally walking down my own street and there's a tree in the middle of the pavement. And normally I'd be like, Oh, you know, trees, we need more trees. And I mean, I still think that I love nature, but it does put a limitation on the width of the pavement. And we actually do have a neighbor who um, is a wheelchair user at the top of the road. And it occurred to me that every time they go down the road, they have to go into the road they have to go off the pavement because they they can't fit through and it does really make you alert to that and and some of the things you've described you know just the time that it would take for somebody who has to spend more time researching how they're going to get a product spend more time figuring out how they're going to return a product spend more time figuring out how they're going to try it on like I don't think that there are many people in the industry who are actually just aware of the additional kind of mental and physical resources that People have to um, use up in order to ha- do something as simple as shopping for fashion. Uh, but you made a really interesting point about that—that that fear to uh, that fear of engaging and maybe being judged for for making a mistake. Um, something um, that I've been looking at in my research is, um, I guess, a move from radical transparency to brutal honesty, where. Um, brands and companies admit their mistakes and i think maybe there has been a bit of a fear of cancel culture over the last a few months and years but now it's there is there's kind of a, a response to that where where brands are becoming more open to actually saying these are the mistakes that we made while we were trying to make positive changes um Harry, I might ask you a slightly tricky question here then, um, because you were doing a lot of these these things, you were doing for the first time, um, not just for yourself, but actually the first time that it's really been done in the industry when it comes to creating this type of collection. Is there anything that you would do differently? Or um, I, I won't say did you make any mistakes, although if you have any mistakes that you'd um, like to share with us um then please do but are there things that you would do differently having been through this experience now
2: yes definitely i think uh, as i said it, this it's been an incredible experience and it has opened my eyes up you know i i'm i'm very proud of the business that i run you know separate to faduma's fellowship it is um my my label is um you know everything's uh designed with real care and attention um i try to source as um as sustainably uh, you know fabrics as sustainably as locally as possible uh try and be as plastic free as possible um you know minimal waste and things like that i also have amazing relationships with lovely customers and hopefully try and you know being a small business it's, it gives you the um ability to, to sort of personalize um the, the the relationship you have with the customers as well as products and and things like that so yeah i from that i'm i know now that that, that wasn't enough and um and I've actually got a collection coming out in, imminently that I've I designed prior to Faduma's Fellowship. We shot it all and everything. But um, taking those garments and making, as I said, these really small changes such as that I learned through through Faduma's Fellowship, such as uh, replacing buttons with magnets um, or magnetic press studs, which just takes that the for those that... Um, have lost of manual dexterity it means that you can wear a, a lovely shirt that still looks buttoned up but it is so easy to put on and it's just those small changes and that that's what i'm now implementing into my business um but yeah as for for, for dumas fellowship it's yes it was a huge learning curve I, i'm my backgrounds in pattern cutting and i love the technical elements and the the problem solving side of garment construction um, so there was an awful lot of um, of trial and error. There were a lot of calico twirls, um, a lot of samples, and as um, Tiffany said, the fitting process was um, essential. It was lovely to meet the models and get to know them and sort of see areas of the garments that perhaps weren't working so well, um, shapes, silhouettes that had to be altered for for the models. So, yeah, it it was uh, it was very interesting and and a lot to learn. But uh, yeah, I think sometimes it, it's just the small changes that that can make a massive difference.
0: I actually found it really interesting when I was sitting in the audience of the show um, that you actually saw the, the finished products from a different perspective because normally when you're sitting in a fashion show and the models are walking past you, you're looking up at them and it was just literally a different angle when you had models in wheelchair going past you because you could see the products at eye level and that changing perspective it, it it was a really different way of viewing the products in that environment and i think i think you're right harry a lot of it is making small changes and and actually there are a lot of people who are still right at the beginning of their journey with with these issues um when it comes to diversity it's it's really difficult if you've not experienced um something yourself to understand the need or to understand the reason why something needs to be done a different way, and for me, just sitting in the audience and seeing those products at eye level and at a different perspective, it, I, I don't know. I feel like something clicked for me in that moment where, even in in my everyday life, if I encountered somebody in a wheelchair normally, I wouldn't be sitting down at eye level with them. I'd probably be standing up, and. Physically, kind of looking down at what they were wearing, whereas to actually say eye level was a very different physical experience for me. And and maybe that's that's what we need more of for people who are trying to champion positive change in the industry to find ways that where they and those that they're trying to influence um, can ex that can experience things in a in a in a different way that helps them to get more understanding of the experience of people who are marginalised. Um, I mean, on that then, Harriet, what what is next for the collection? Um, because we've, we've put it on the, the Catwalk at London Fashion Week. It's got amazing... It's received amazing attention from press and media. But obviously, we want these products to be available to people. Are you able to share a little bit about what, what's, how the collection is being developed or what's next for the range? Yeah,
2: I think you're right. We have been blown away by the response. It, it's been amazing to to see people's interest and how they've responded to the garments. Um, I think as of what's next I think as a team we're really excited um for for how the the fellowship and the collections um gone so far but it's very early days at the moment and um and but yeah I think all we know at the moment is this is only the start we really hope that um that the the garments will be able to to be produced and worn uh, and loved by by so many people and um, yeah, hopefully we can find the right stockists and, uh, and um, yeah, and, and, and see what happens. But early stages at the moment, but yeah, this is just the beginning. So we're really excited to see how it develops.
0: In terms of marketing, Tiffany, um, have you had to do anything different to engage the industry with this collection? Um, and what, how do you plan to continue that story? And um, how do you continue to drive that engagement going forward?
1: Yeah, but that, that's a great question, and it's certainly where, from my own learning, has has come into come into this. Has has been a a key area, I suppose you could say. And uh, one of the things to, to touch on your marketing point is we've been asking questions. So we've got a, a one of Satsuma's fellowship. Uh, patron of Faduma's Fellowship is, is a great person called Claudia Walder and she um, is the founder of AbleZine, and she's been great in giving us advice or telling us how we can do things that are more inclusive that we perhaps didn't realize weren't inclusive until until we spoke to her. So for example, it can be as simple as image IDs when it comes to our Instagram and, and those that, just putting that in, into each post. Um, in terms of the collections, I mean, we would absolutely love to, to have more and more and more wheelchair-using models on our runways. Um, One of the things I'm personally quite keen to to do, though, is or to stay clear of, I suppose, is I think this collection is, is so, from an integrity point of view, it's not just something that's been designed and given to someone who uses a wheelchair and then been on stage. It's been very much designed deliberately to be suitable for somebody who uses a wheelchair. For example, as Harry was saying, magnetic buttons, flat seams. So what i would not want to do is put something that's not suitable for somebody or is going to cause them any form of pain into into a collection so it's part of what it is when it comes to marketing i suppose is trying to open up the idea here as to how pieces can be made the piece itself doesn't need to change the idea is somebody could wear a pair of trousers if they're a wheelchair user or not that's kind of the goal i think that we'd love to start talking about when it will continue talking about when it comes to you know, how collections are made so that they are suitable for for a wider variety of um of people.
0: And I think that there's a a bit of a, a zeitgeist moment taking place, Tiffany, because you know, over the summer it's been a, it's still an extraordinary year. I don't think this time last year we, we kind of expected to still be um you know wondering whether or not we could do things in the context of COVID, but nevertheless it has been a pretty extraordinary year we've had the olympics and the paralympics um we had a i think probably one of the most vocal and exciting pride months this year as well because it, it, it was almost in response to the pandemic it was also one of the first um events that people started doing live again and and it's been a really exciting time where um i think there's a a general cultural attitude of openness to positive change and and there's an opportunity to ride that wave a little bit where if you are really putting in maximum effort to making those changes, there is an atmosphere of people being willing to respond to that in a in a positive way and you I think you phrased it really beautifully um earlier where you you were talking about how the people you've encountered um live with disabilities where it's it's not a negative to them they're positive people it's everyday life and for the industry it shouldn't be treated as a negative either it should be just treated as something different and trying different and new things is how we get innovation in the fashion industry as well and and it's how we bring novelty to consumers too um so I think I personally think it's just a really exciting time to be able to do that um and I'm, I'm conscious that we're kind of getting to the end of the session now but I just like to ask both of you before we wrap up what advice would you give to the fashion industry when it comes to making these changes um, for more inclusive design and more inclusive business models um I'll, I'll ask you first Tiffany
1: yeah so I have three things that come to mind the first would be to don't exclude the people you're trying to be more inclusive of when you are having the conversation, which sounds painfully simple. But the reality is, I think the best way to properly understand and to learn the needs of somebody, for example, who uses a wheelchair, if as a company you deem something that to be an important part of of what you're doing, which it absolutely is, talk to people who use a wheelchair. And and in my experience, particularly throughout Fiduma's Fellowship, I think I overcame this notion of, oh, I don't know if I, is that impolite for me to ask this question? Got over that very quickly because because, because as soon as I started having these conversations with people like Vaduma, um it just is the it's the best way and it's the correct way to really open your eyes is to really trying to get an understanding of, of somebody's needs. So the first thing would definitely be just to have, have the conversation with, with the right people. From a plan point of view, I think have a plan like a long-term plan as we touched on earlier on no one is expecting everything to be perfect and and is absolutely you know ticks all all of the all of the boxes straight away i think it's okay to say right this is what we're going to do now this is what the goal is looking ahead so that that way you've got that on the horizon to then work towards as a really positive a really positive goal um and i said three things but i forgot what the third thing, <laughs> i forgot what the third thing was going to be um, so we'll just stick with those two things. I think I think one would be just to yeah to talk to uh, talk to people. This isn't really an advice actually, but it's something that I think could be quite good to do. And it actually comes from a, a project that I did many years ago, but also a project that was part of Harriet Rebermel's research, which was touching a little bit on how you may not necessarily think about these things unless you encounter them. For example, if you become a wheelchair user, then you become more familiar with different thing, different ways you need to do things. One of the things that uh, Red, Harriet and Mel did was was some experiments. So for example, if you sit in a chair and you don't use one of your arms, you know, just get, get yourself dressed and then you'll have an understanding of how much longer it takes and how much harder it can be um, for someone in a similar situation. And I think just trying to, to put yourself in someone else's shoes to think through things um, and you know what would you, you know, if your if your sister or your a parent or a friend was in a particular situation you'd want them to live a complete and a, and a full life and so just being open I think to being inclusive because everyone everyone just misses out it's an incredible part of of um, of a community and I think everyone misses out if if, uh, if, the, if the exclusion remains particularly in a in a market that is so populated for for example people who don't use a wheelchair it just seems crazy that uh or or not right that that there's this there's this gap
0: um thanks tiffany i i completely agree with you and and actually you know you said talk to the people that you're trying to include make sure you don't exclude them i think one of the things that um really impressed me about the initiative was you weren't just talking to feduma although she was the face of the initiative and the person who came up with this, that willingness to collaborate with other wheelchair users, I think brought such a richness to the execution because I think, especially when you're looking at something like um, a physical condition, everyone's experience of that is different, and the fact that you you know you had different wheelchair using models, and you also had um, wheelchair users. Um, a number of different wheelchair users on the panel as well. That that in and of itself is is broadening that inclusivity. So you're not just relying on one person's experience to inform quite a big change. Um, but it's it's funny that you when you were talking about the um, that experiment that that Harriet Reben Mel did, um, where they put themselves in the the kind of situation of a wheelchair user, it, it actually made me think about. Um, An experiment that was done a while ago, an unintentional experiment, I think, where a a guy accidentally took over his female co-worker's email and was signing off with her name and all of a sudden realised how difficult it was for her as a woman in her position to get things done because um, she was being discriminated against purely for having a female name and people assuming that she wasn't capable of doing things and he had to work twice as hard in order to get people um, via those emails to actually listen to him and take him at his word and it really gave him that perspective of okay it's not because this coworker is slow or doesn't work hard it's literally just because of the discrimination that she faces um, and it's so interesting to hear that you that you actually did those experiments Harriet I mean just as a, a final question to you, what would your recommendation be? What what would you want the industry to think about going forward? Um, any parting words of advice?
2: I think Tiffany summed that up perfectly. So I'm not sure what I can add, but I think, yeah, as Tiffany hit the nail on the head and just said talk to people. You know, I, I've been so lucky that, that Faduma's opened up her world to me and, and in doing so and, and doing Faduma's fellowship to, to so many other people. And, and you know throughout the last few months i've been having sort of conversations even with friends and friends saying oh yes my my niece uses a wheelchair or yes my my friend finds it really hard to find these this certain types of clothing and and that's something that i was not aware of before and and i think having having these conversations is it's so important and it's so powerful um but yeah i think yes there are big differences in in fashion and garment construction that needs to be changed and yes um a lot of them are are quite challenging um technically but it is as as i've said it is the small things you know such as the magnets it's um the seams but also in shops you know you were you were talking about rails if if you can swap rails that are that like you know four or five foot off the ground to maybe rails that that can can move to come down to sort of the heat heated height that that makes an enormous difference to a lot of people just just in the way that that you 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 know, you and I would want to walk into a, go into a shop and, and be able to feel the clothes that are on a rail. Um, but but it's, it's things like e- e-commerce, which we touched on as well, is having more images on an e-commerce site to to really show the garments and to let people know what they're getting but yeah i think there's i've been so privileged to have have had this experience and to have learned so much and hopefully can take it on um in the future with with my designs and and how i work as a designer um and i i hope it inspires other designers um and brands to to see what we've done and what we we've achieved and, and what we can go on to achieve and hopefully they can feel feel the same thing and
0: thanks so much harriet well I think what we've learned is that there's there's just so much value to taking that more personal approach. And actually there there are real benefits there to being more inclusive um, and commercial benefits too. I mean, there are wheelchair users and other minorities out there who really, really want to have better fashion available to them and really want to engage with the fashion industry. And as you say, Harriet, making those smaller changes thinking about things from somebody else's perspective can have a really palpable effect on how you engage them but also how you serve different groups in the community which is is such an important value for businesses to take on board and well we've come to the end of the session um but i just wanted to say thank you so much um to both of you um tiffany and harriet for joining in on this um wish you all of the best with developing the collection from Foduma's fellowship um, and I'm very excited to see what the future produces from that um, this has been a, a real privilege to talk with you about um, and this is a part of a series um, that we're doing between Clown um, and Visualsoft on the back of the Get Set Grow uh, research and report that has been produced so for our listeners please Um, just engage with that research it's really important that this this research is helping to inform some quite big changes um, that people um, are hopefully implementing in their businesses Um, and and it's a really exciting piece of research I just encourage you to have a look at that and thank you for joining us for the session and um, look forward to having you join us next time